Thank you. Lord bless you guys. Amen. Well, I want to start out, I want to tell you this little story. Uh, it's, many, many of you are familiar with the stories and found in Genesis, you know, 41, 2, 3. It's about Joseph. And, jo- of course, many of you know about Joseph. He, he got himself into a, you know, a mess because dr- Joseph was a dreamer. And he, was, and he told his family about his dreams, and he offended his family uh, about his brothers. And, you know, dreams will get you in trouble. Okay, that's what I want to say about that. They'll get you in trouble, and many times they'll get you in a pit because his brothers actually threw him in a pit because of his dreams. And so if you have a dream in your heart, you might wind up in a pit at some point. You might offend some people at some point, but that's normal. That's okay. Don't, don't sweat. Don't worry too much. Just remind yourself of, of that story. And then uh, the Bible tells us that uh, one of his brothers felt sorry for him and was so sorry for him that he sold him as a slave instead of leaving him in the pit to die. That was really nice of him, right? <laughs> and so he got sold as a slave, and he wound up in Egypt. But the Lord was with him every step of the way, and the Lord had favor on him, and he became he was a servant in the house, and he became the he became like the second man. He managed the whole house. This man was a wealthy man. This man was a great man in Egypt. And But one day, because of the favor of God on him, uh, this woman of the man uh, was attracted to Joseph. You know, God's favor will cause attraction, but sometimes it causes the wrong attraction. Okay, so be careful uh, if you have the favor of God on you and somebody of the opposite sex that doesn't really, you shouldn't be messing with is attracted to you because it's not you, it's God's favor on you. So don't be stupid and think it's about you because it's really the favor of the Lord. You know, anyways, Joseph wasn't stupid. He ran away, and, of course, he got in trouble about it and wound up going to prison, and he was thrown in the prison, the Bible tells us. And, of course, the favor of the Lord was with him there. And and he rose up and became the second man in charge of Pharaoh's prison, is what it says. So that was a great blessing for him to be in charge of the prison while he was in prison. You know, some of us are in prison today, and God wants to bless you regardless of where you're at. God can reach you, and His favor can reach you. Uh, and so one day, Pharaoh got upset with a couple of his guys, a baker and a, I think a, a cupbearer, a guy who, a wine, you know, taste, you know, they had it back in those days, everybody was trying to kill the king, so they had a guy that tasted it, taste what his food and taste his drink before he ate it, just, just in case it was poison, he would die. You know, that was, but it was a very honorable position because it was a very trusted position. Pharaoh threw those two men in the jail. And, uh, one day these, these men had a, these men had a dream. And Joseph noticed that they were distressed over their dream. And he went to them and said, Hey, what's, what's the deal? And they said, Well, we had these dreams and we're disturbed by them. And he said, Well, tell me the dream. And, and he told him the dream, and Joseph gave him the interpretation. One guy was going to die, and one guy was going to be restored. And Joseph told the guy who was going to be restored, hey, when you get restored, remember me. That's what he said. And so it happened that one man was killed, just as Joseph said, and one man was restored, just as Joseph said. So he had a real accurate revelation on interpreting dreams, not only dreaming dreams, but interpreting dreams. That's a great... A revelation to have, right? Anyways, uh, the Bible tells us that the dude who got restored forgot about Joseph. 
Isn't that terrible? Sometimes you do things for people and they're going to forget you. But you see, it's all in God's plan for you to be forgotten. Yeah, it really is. Sometimes you need to be forgotten. And the next chapter said, after two full years, Pharaoh had a dream. And nobody could interpret the dream. And then the guy said, oh, Lord, you know, the guy who, I forgot. There's this dude, I know, he can interpret your dream because he interpreted our dreams. And it says that the, immediately the Pharaoh called for Joseph to come out, you know, and they cleaned him up. He got a razor blade, shaved his face, washed, took a bath, put on some clean clothes, probably for the first time in a while. It was a good day. But it was a suddenly that happened in his life. And he was brought before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, I, I heard you can interpret dreams. Here's my dream. And this is the thing that Joseph said. And I want you to get this. He said, this is what he said. I can't do it. That's what he said. I can't do it. You see, before when he was in prison and before when he was having dreams, there was a thing in him that said, I can do this. I've got this. i got a gift. i got something. And there's a brokenness that has to come in people. I mean, I hate to tell you this. You know, but if you're a gifted person and, and you have God's favor in your life and you have a dream in your heart and you have a calling on and a destiny on your life, whichever one of you do, you are, are going to go through something in your life. You're going to be betrayed. I mean, this is good news. <laughs> You're going to be betrayed by people that you care about. Because who cares about somebody you don't care about? Who gives a rip what they say, right? You know, I could care less about what somebody on the other side of the, of the country on the Internet says about me. Big deal. I don't know you. Your words have no, no pull in my life. But somebody right around me, their words have a lot of influence in my life. Because I care about what they think because I love them. And so there's a betrayal that happens to people. And there's also a time of being thrown in the jail, put put into the prison. And where you you have to come to a place of brokenness in you where you've in your heart of hearts, even before the greatest man on earth who desperately needed your gift and who desperately needed what you have, you have what's in you that says, I can't do it. I can't do it. See, it's going to be a good day in your wonderful, anointed, gifted life when you can sincerely say, I can't do it. Okay, I know that sounds kind of opposite to most modern Christians, but it's not opposite of what the Bible teaches us. And it's not opposite of what any man in the Scripture has gone through in his life that God has really used. This is really exciting, isn't it? (laughs) It's really exciting. But it's a good day when it happens to you. And I want to tell you something. Two full years is a long time. It's 24 months. You know, it's, it's 104 weeks. You know, how many days is that? That's a lot of days, you know. What did you, John, John knew? Yeah. It's a lot of weeks, man. It don't go by really fast. It goes by really slow. 
But there's a day when the Lord was going to call people out. When he, know, when he looks in your heart and, and you have that thing in you that says, I can't do it. Okay? And I want to encourage people in this room because I know there's people that are, have gone through some stuff. And in the last two years, let me just say this. The last two years have been a devastating time for many people. Okay? Many people. And some of you kind of got through it was sort of skating around, and, you know, on, on, on the edge of the wave, but it finally caught up with you. I'm sorry it caught up with you. Not really. I'm glad it caught up with you because it tells me God wants to do something in your life. If you have been broken in the last two years, if you are at a place today where you could really say this, I can't do it. You are in the best place ever. That means you. It means God is calling you up now because I believe this is what I believe. You know, two years ago, almost two years ago, a month from today, two years ago, uh, Bob Jones came to our church because he had a word for us, okay? And it was really the only time he ever called me. He called me one day. I can remember it distinctly because I was playing golf, and I never answer my phone except unless it's Becky, you know, when I'm playing golf. I silence it. I don't care, you know. The whole world could collapse. Like, there was a nuclear bomb. I didn't know it. I was playing golf. There's nothing more important than playing God except Becky. Yeah. But I noticed my phone was buzzing. I picked it up and it was Bob Jonathan. I better answer this one. So I answered. He said, I got this word. The Lord I had this encounter with the Lord this morning. And I wanted to tell you about it. He started, he started telling me, I said, no, don't tell me, Bob. I don't want to hear it right now. I want to hear it with the rest of the church. If it's a word for our church, I want to hear it with everybody else. Will you come Sunday and share it? And so he came that Sunday. It was on July the 15th. I think that's when it was, or maybe July 12th, one of those days, whatever day that was. But anyways, the word was this. He said, I saw this church coming up out of the wilderness, you know, and I saw, I saw the Son of Righteousness rising. I saw the Father's eye rising upon you. And I, of course, oh, praise the Lord, we're in great shape, God. <laughs> Two years later, you know, two years more in the prison, two years more, I believe the Lord's saying that word, it's time for that word to come forth now. I felt like last Sunday when I was in church, I won't just tell you this, this is what I really believe. Last Sunday I was sitting in church doing worship, and I felt like the Lord said, reminded me of that word. I hadn't thought about it in a long time. Because you know how prophetic words are. If you don't, this is the way they are. Somebody gives you a prophetic word and it doesn't happen. In fact, opposite happens many times. Like, well, is that a real word or what? That was not a real word. I'm not getting that word. But, you know, if you read the Bible, that's sort of the trend. A, a word that's a destiny word. Many times you're going to walk into opposite for a season. and Because you know, every word is like a seed. It has to go in and it has to find a ground to grow in and, and, and come forth in. So I'm just here to say I believe it's time for the, for the eye of the Father to come on people. And when, you know, when His eye comes on you, something, something good's going to happen. Okay? Something really, really good. And so I believe it's time, you know, for us as a, as a body to come out of prison. It's time to come out of prison. And it's time to really come into some things that God has for us as a church body. You know, 
And I think because I can tell you, I know one person in this church for sure that could say, I can't do it. I mean, I know that person real well. He's really come to that point. I mean, I'm much, so much I can't do it. I don't want to do it, and that would be me, you know. <laughs> but I do believe that. I believe that for all of us. I believe that for us corporately. And I'm praying for for you guys who are now, right now, in you feel like you're in the middle of hell. Good for, good news for you is God has got you in the middle of hell, and He's going to, but He'll accelerate you out of that place because of the time we're in. He'll get you through it really fast if you'll let Him. Now, if you don't, then it's tough on you. You know, two, four years, I'm, I'm sorry to say, I, that's just the way it's going to be. But you don't, have to, you don't have to live two, four years in prison. You can get out really quick if you'll let the Holy Spirit have His way in your life and really just bow in your heart and submit in your heart. And so God is, is starting to do a lot of things right now in the, spirit, in the spirit world. And spiritually, you know, there's just a magnificent flow of the Spirit happening. And there's a magnificent flow of revelation that's going on right now. I, don't, I hope you're connecting with that. I hope you're feeling things and hearing things. Uh, if you're not, you can because you're a child of God and you can have what He has for you. But uh, one of the things I feel like God really wants to release to people is a real hunger for His Word. Yeah, I think right now the Scripture is really important. I mean, obviously it's always important, but there's an emphasis, I feel, on the Scriptures. And the scriptures, I'm talking about a revelatory emphasis where God wants to open, open your mind to understand the scriptures. That's what uh, Luke uh, 24, 45, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And so I believe, I feel in that. You know, when I come into this church, like this morning, I mean, I was just getting one scripture after the other after the other. It's like, oh, turn it off. I mean, I can't, you know, I mean, get one when I start thinking about it, and then another one jumps in there, then another one, another one, another one. And it's, it's not stuff I'm thinking about. Okay, so I think that, and we were praying like, you know, we desire something like the goal of our lives is a love encounter with Jesus. Did we sing that? Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's encounters happening right now also. There's spiritual encounters that are happening. And uh, I've had the last two weeks, I've had some of the most, two of the most powerful encounters. I think I've had, well, not the most powerful, but the two of the most powerful I've had in, in a couple of years. And, uh, and so I think those are available for all of us. It's real encounters with the Lord. Real encounters and spiritual encounters. Encounters that will change your life. Uh, you know, Jude says that we have to contend for the faith, right? That's what he says in verse 3. You know, that we contend for this faith. And there's a time where we contend, okay, for, for things, right? You're contending for God to do something in your life. You're contending for, for hope. You're contending for, for confidence. Okay? Anybody had to contend for their confidence? Yeah. Oh, God, that was a big contention for me is your confidence gets attacked so much. And, so, and that's a great thing to do is to contend for it, to believe for it, and, not, and trust what the Scripture says and, and don't trust your mind and your feelings. You know, that's what you have to do. There's times, that's walking by faith, where you don't have a feeling. Your life is opposite. Everything is opposite of how you feel. You, but you just have to keep going. You have to stay on course. You've set a course, you stay that course. Because you know that's what God told you when you did have some revelation and light working in your life. Right? Isn't that the reason they say all these little airplanes crash when they get in storms? Is they try to change course? in the middle of the storm and go back and then they get lost in the storm and they run out of gas 
or they can't figure out if they're upside down or right side up and they'll fly it straight into the ground, it's because they didn't keep their course. They, just, they were looking around and they're just like, here's my course, I'm going to keep the course. There's a time to keep your course. No matter what's happening, no matter the storms are raging around you, this is the course that God has set for me. I don't feel like it, it don't feel good. In fact, I can't stand it, but that's what we have to do. And I feel like a lot of people have done that. You know, in the last couple of years, really just hung the course. Just I'm gonna just one foot and you know, it's the thing I keep telling people. What did you learn? That people have asked me, what was the one thing if you could say that you learned the the most out of the last two years? And it was what Winston Churchill said: When you're walking through hell, keep walking. That's it. When you're walking through hell, just keep going. Don't stop. Don't try to reroute. Don't try to refigure. You're not in a place to do that. And if you'll do that, you'll walk out. But if you stop. You're going to get yourself in a jam. That's some great advice, man. I'm telling you it is. If you'll do that, you'll be all right. Otherwise, you get lost, and you don't want to get lost in a storm. Um, God, what was I saying all that for? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I'm happy to have walked out. I'm happy to have got out. You know, I really am. And I want to say you're out. Corporately, we're out. Now, individually, you may still be in it, but it's okay. We'll go along and kick you out if we have to and, you know, encourage you. Oh, what I was going to say is about the contending, I just had this weird thing happen to me. I was cutting the grass, which I love to hate to do, you know. <laughs> you know, I just love hating cutting grass. You know, you can't, I can't hate a lot of things, but I can hate cutting grass. So I just love it when I can find something I can hate. You know, hate the devil. I love to hate the devil, and I love to hate cutting. I was cutting the grass, and all of a sudden, suddenly something shifted in my heart. I mean, I was just cutting the grass, paying attention to nothing, you know, just hoping to get through and not be sweaty when I got through, <laughs> hoping I could breathe when I got through. But something happened, and it was like God did something. Instead of me having to contend for confidence, he did what he does. He says, confidence. And suddenly there's no contention for it. You're, you have it. You know, and that's what God wants to do for people who've contended for the faith, who contended to love when they didn't feel like loving, continued to keep going with the Lord. The Lord's going to look at you and say, love, you know, power to walk on. You know, power to believe, power to, to see what I have for you. Amen? Yeah. So I just wanted to say that. And the Lord's good. Anyways, let me read Ecclesiastes 3.11. I do have a message I wanted to give. That was just a preliminary. Hey, listen, no more passivity. If you're passive today, you got a bad revelation. Right? If you're, if you, if you're apathetic today, you got a bad revelation. Neither one of them are right. So drop all that. Get rid of it. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. So there's a timing. That's what it says. Also, He has put eternity in their hearts. Okay, that's really important. So God has put into every person in this room, every human being that's ever been born, He's put something in them. He's put a desire in them. He's put a dream in them. He's put a destiny in them. It's... it's you know, He's connected us with eternity. We don't look at our lives. No one really looks at their life. They don't look at their life like death is the end. There's something beyond all that. There's something beyond all what we're seeing right now. So God has created that in us. And we're all, whether we realize it or not or could recognize it or not, we're all hungering and yearning for that thing. 
That's where apathy comes. When you quit hungering and yearning for what God puts you on this earth for. When you have quit being a dreamer. And quit and given up, gave up on this thing called purpose. When you quit that, then you have, you've bought away from the very thing that God created you to be and do. And that's why people who've been very successful who don't know Christ, you know, millionaires and wealthy people who don't know Christ, they're not satisfied in their heart. There's still something in them. They may have everything they ever wanted, but there's something in them eating at them because none of those things satisfy us. Right? I mean, everybody knows that. But the truth is the reason they don't is God has put something else greater in our hearts. He's put a destiny in our heart. He's put dreams in our heart. He's given us a purpose for life. Surely, the American dream of having a great job and working, being successful, having your house paid off and having a great retirement plan cannot be it. It can't be it. All that's going away anyway. Right? So every person longs to know their purpose and destiny. But it says this, it seems like odd, and no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. No one, in other words, this is not the kind of thing, you can't figure this stuff out. You can't figure your destiny out. You can't even figure your purpose or dreams out apart from God's intervention and involvement in your life. It's like I said last week when I was talking about dreams, you know, and, and, and deaths of dreams, you know, when your dreams die, you know, there's two kinds of dream. You know, we can have a dream that's, that's carnal or we can have a God dream. And the way they know the difference is a God dream is something you can't do. You've got to have God to do, fulfill your dreams. And, or, and the other thing was, you know, a God dream is always about, it's not about yourself. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about something greater than you. And so that's how you know if, if, if your dream is to be a Christian rock star, well, that's a, not a dream from God. Or a great preacher, that is a sorry dream. That's a dumb dream. That's the dumbest dream on the planet. It really is. It's just dumb. All that's dumbness. God has something greater for us. Or if your dream is to be a great businessman, that's ridiculous. It will leave you empty. I know preachers that are really good, successful preachers, but behind the scenes they're miserable. Because there's something in their hearts. They're not, they don't have that kingdom dream in them. They don't have God's dream working in their life. They have a gift. You know, a lot of people have gifts, right? So, all righty, thank you, Lord. So, are you all interested in my version on how to see your destiny and dreams come true? It's just my version. There's probably many versions in the Bible. It's all biblical, though. Okay, my versions are biblical. Let me just say this. All this that I'm going to share with you, the Lord revealed all this to me, not, not over, over for, for many years, okay? And now I'm just starting to really see some things about my life. I'm just starting to see some things about revelations that God has given me over the years and how they fit together, because God had a plan. He was working a plan where I might see this as an individual, unique thing where God was saying, no, this is part of a bigger plan, an interconnected thing. But I wanted to say this this morning. The number one thing is grace, okay? I mean, I think that we don't, haven't emphasized grace enough recently. And, and I was when we were in China, you know, I'm going to have to hurry. I'm not going to finish this. I'm not going to try to. 
I just want to say, when we were in China, Becky preached this grace message that was remarkable, I felt. And I thought, everybody in the whole world needs to hear that about 25 times, over and over again. Yeah. Because that's, everything rests on grace. And this, is, this scripture, 2 Corinthians 13 14, is really a, one of our great scriptures in this church, whether you know it or not. It really is. It's written down on lots of things if you start reading stuff like on our website and stuff out there. It says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And I feel this. I feel like the order in that Scripture is on purpose. I feel like grace was at the front end because grace is what releases us into everything else. It releases... You know, we major on the, on the Father's love, but grace is what actually releases us into that. Because the Bible says that Christ was full of grace and truth. And He is the one who's made all that work for us. He's, he's offered Himself that we could have love. We could have Holy, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the communion of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so I feel like that, that's why Paul laid it out like that. He was saying this revelation of grace was what will introduce you into everything. Now, I will admit this about grace. There's a lot of perverted models out there. That's why I was saying this. There is a, a model of grace that creates passivity in people. Okay? You know, that's not a good good version. But you know, the way I look at it is people are trying to work through these things. They're trying to figure this thing out. Because when I be started coming into a revelation of grace, I didn't understand it. I had to, it took me a few, it literally took me a few years, although I preached a bunch on it, but it took me a few years to kind of begin to get a greater understanding of what grace really is all about. And so I think we've got to give grace to people who are struggling with their grace. Who are saying, you know, who have a passive, you know, that grace has created passivity. And we can tell them that's not true. But we need to give them space to learn that. It's like any revelation. We need to give people space to figure out what this revelation really means in their life and how it really outworks. I'm happy there's books out there about hyper grace and, you know, I'm happy all that stuff's out there because to me it says grace is being promoted. Grace is out there. Oh yeah, there's some bad versions of it. Well, who cares? Really, I mean, I'm getting into the good stuff, so I'm not too worried about it. Anybody's, if I'm around people, I'll tell them. That, ain't, that don't sound right. But listen to this Psalm 45, verse 2. I love this. This is the, You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Now, of course, that's Christ. But he, there's grace is on His lips. Therefore... God has blessed you. And so I believe grace opens the door for the blessings of God to really flow in our life. And that's why I say it's so important because I'm into grace because I'm into being blessed. How about you? How many people would love to have some blessings? Well, grace is what opens the door for us to receive these blessings. It really does. Now, um, I want to read Hebrews 13, 9. It says, Do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. Now, you know, not with foods. And you could put that, you could put anything in there. You can take foods out and put your little pet thing in there. Not, not with Bible study. Bible study is awesome. Not with prayer. Prayer is awesome. Food's awesome. I love food. Who doesn't love food? When I was a little boy, I didn't love food. 
I would look at anything set before him thinking, I don't want that. I didn't like food. I didn't like to eat. I didn't like to take time. I wanted to play. That's why I didn't really like I figured out, why not like it? Because I wanted to be out playing. Why would I want to waste my time eating when I could be out having fun? So I was a skinny boy because I played all the time and stayed in motion all the time and didn't eat. But food is awesome. You know, prayer is awesome. Bible study is awesome. Church is awesome. All these things are awesome. But those things can never replace grace. Those things, we can't be established in those things. They don't profit you is what he says. If you're occupied with this, occupied with that, it's not going to profit you. Okay? So we need to allow God to establish our heart. So you see there's this link here between having your heart established with grace and what comes out of your mouth. What did Jesus say in Luke 6? I think Luke 6, 40-something. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Paul said in Colossians 4, let, let our speech be with grace, seasoned as with salt. And when the Bible says that we're the salt of the world, that's what he's talking about, grace. That's what it's really talking about because of what Paul said in Colossians 4. You're the salt of the earth. We're the grace of the earth. We're what, we are what brings grace in the earth. We're what flavors the earth. We, is, we are what makes the earth what it is. We keep the earth from spoiling. That's what, what salt does back in the old days. Are y'all following this? And so I think that's really how we had to begin to, to think. Now, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here's the second thing. Like I say, this is my little stream. Is, uh, it's, I'm going to call it like this. There's different ways of saying this. Discovering your true self. Now, I used to call it this for years. Nobody seemed to connect with me on it. It's living out of your heart. Okay? But it's discovering, you know, people use the word genuine. They use the word authentic. They use the word identity. Okay? But this is what it is. Okay? It's becoming the real you. The real you is in you. It's not out here. You've got to get to the real you inside of you. Let me tell you this. It's hard to get to the real you. I don't care what anybody says. You don't instantly connect with the real you. You have to grow into that person. Uh, let me read Psalm, Proverbs 27, 19. It says, As in water, face, face reflects face. In other words, when you look in the water, that was their mirror, you see your face. So a man's heart reveals the man. Okay, so your heart is the true you. It's not this outward person. It's your heart. And so that's what you had to get in touch with. That real person inside of you. That's why you gotta, you got your heart has to be established in grace. Because here's the truth. If you try to be the real you apart from a revelation of grace, it's just gonna be, it's gonna be ill. It's gonna be frustrating. It's gonna be discouraging to you. Does that make sense? I, I wish y'all would get that, especially some of you, because I'm tired of it. I, you know, you get tired of being around people. They're going to live from their heart. They're going to express really who they really are, and it's nasty. And why is it nasty? Because their heart's not been established in grace. They didn't get that first thing that really enables them to really begin to live a true heart, to really be their true self. It just leads into a different level of frustration and hurt. You know, because you wind up getting rejected a lot more than you really should. Because people reject all that. You're going to get rejected when you're living from your heart through a revelation of grace also, but it's, it's a little easier to deal with. Here's some advice that let me give to you that was given to me a long time ago by some wise people. This is what they said to me. 
If you want to succeed, you are going to have to be your true self. Not who you want to be. Now, do you get that? You're going to have to be your true self, not who you want to be. Everybody here wants to be something or somebody or will look be a certain thing. They're going to, they were saying, you, that ain't going to work, Byron. You're going to have to be who you already are right now, today. Yeah. Who you want to become may, may develop over time, but not until you find who you, you already are. Not until you find who you already are. And see, that's what God wants you to do. That's, that's the step. That's the step of living your true self. Your first step is this. Who am I right this moment? And that's who I need to be because that's true. That's the true me. Instead of trying to be what you think you're going to be in three years. You know how that, you know why those people told me that? Let me tell you why they told me. This is kind of embarrassing. They listened to me preach. And they said, I want to talk to you about your preaching. That's what they said. I said, oh, okay. I had a great message, I thought. That's when they told me that. Like, you're not that preacher. You're trying to act like you are. It sort of started rough for me. You're not that preacher you thought you were, Byron. That's hard to hear, right? But, you know, we really do need to find who we are right this moment. And quit trying to project something that's not true. Because the truth is, everybody around you ultimately is going to know it. If they have half a brain, they're going to feel it. Like, mm, that ain't good. And when you begin to be your true self, as of right now, that's when you can start having success in life. Because that's what God's going to bless. He's going to, he's going to bless the true you. Now, you have, have your dream of becoming more. You know, and learning how to develop more and grow more in your true self. But stop trying to be something that you think you are that you're really not. And you'll be a lot happier in your life because you won't have to try to keep up something. You can be the same person everywhere you go all the time. Yeah. Y'all okay? Well, I'm going to tell you the last thing. I'll just cut this short, but because I don't want to go over. I went over last week, and I got, I got a new rule. <laughs> so that, this is what the Lord did. He gave me this revelation of grace, and then He started talking to me about me. He started talking about being the real me. That's, that's how it worked in my life. That was the second thing. See, that grace, when I began to get established in grace, my heart, God began to talk to me about, it's time for the real Byron. It was scary. It's still scary. It's scary to me to be the real me lots of times. Because I wonder, am I going to be rejected? Are, are people going to like me? Am I going to be relevant to the day's generation? All those questions come into my mind. But you know what I do at the, at the end? I, well, you know what? If I'm not relevant and nobody likes me, I'm still going to be the real me because God likes that part of me. And I would rather be happy with my relationship with God than my being relevant to everybody you know that's why I'm going to be honest with you that's not why I'm not walking around in designer jeans like a lot of preachers do because that's not me I'm good with them doing it but that's not me you know 
You see what I'm saying? I'm not trying, I'm trying to be who I am. And you take a risk being who you are. You take a risk of failing and being rejected. But you take a greater risk. You will fail. You will fail eventually. God will not favor you and bless you being somebody you're not. He's not going to do it because it goes against His nature. God always works in truth. You know, so bear up and get, you know, get through it. You know, humble yourself. You know, be vulnerable. Let your wife fuss at you. Let her tell you, you need some help with your clothes. You know, because one of my bad habits is I'll wear clothes till they're falling apart. I can't let go of them. Like, I love that shirt. I love that T-shirt. I don't want to let go of that T-shirt, even though it's just... Thread, you know, it's just threadbare. Like, good Lord, if you get no money. <laughs> Those clothes don't match. I don't match. I need, you know, you need some help with yourself. So then this other thing started happening. Once I started doing this, this getting real thing, being my real self, that's when the, the, the spiritual stuff really started happening in my life. Before that, it was hit or miss with me. I would have visions, I'd have dreams. But when I started getting my real self, that's when the spiritual world started becoming, becoming a reality to me like never before. Okay? And I think we all would like that to happen to us, right? If you don't, raise your hand. I want to just see who you are. Thank you for not raising your hand. But there's a thing in the Bible called the spirit of wisdom and revelation that God has wants to release, he's released it. He wants it to work in our hearts so we can begin to connect with the spiritual world in a real and ongoing and practical way in your life. Because that's how God meant for you to live. In fact, Paul said, and I quoted it last week, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, you will lose heart. As a believer, you will lose heart. There's no way around it. You will lose heart if you can't connect with the invisible world. Sooner or later, it may take you 40 years, but you're going to wind up losing heart. You go read it, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. And he tells that after he talked about the hell he went through, where he was despairing of his own life. At the end of it, he said, this is why I didn't despair, because I saw something different. I was able to see into the invisible world. That kept me going in my worst moments. And that will keep anybody going in their worst moments when they're able to connect with the spiritual world. And that's why the Bible says we have eyes of our heart. And Paul said when the, when the spirit of wisdom and revelation anoints your heart, your, the eyes of your heart can be opened. The light can be turned on inside of you when you can, so you can begin to see something different. You can begin to see from God's perspective. You can begin to see your life from God's perspective. You can begin to see, you know, what's going on around you from His perspective. It still may be feeling like you're going to despair of life at times, but you can get through it and not give up. Isn't that great? And the more you pursue that and cultivate that in your life, the more you're going to have. The more that world will open to you. See, that's something you contend for. You contend for that. You don't just sit around, well, if God wants me to have a dream or a vision. I don't. When I go to bed at night, I'm saying, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me while I sleep, Lord. I'm asking Him. I'm pursuing Him. Lord, you know, I haven't had a vision lately. It would be nice to have a vision, Lord. 
You know, Lord, show me how to do this more. I want to push into this more. Show me how to do this. I'm pursuing God for this all the time because I'm say, what I'm saying is I'm a son and I have a rightful, I have a rightful claim to those things. Man, if you don't believe that, you need to, you need to get this, that you're a child of God and that belongs to you. That His world is your world. Is that okay? Uh, let me read this one, one more time. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Here is a really great translation, which is more literal. Young's literal translation kind of tweaked for good reading. Without prophetic revelation, the people go unrestrained, walking in, circle, walking in circles having no certain destiny. It, walking in circles having no certain... In other words, you will just walk around... If you don't have the spirit of wisdom revelation, you, you're, it's like getting, your life is like a cul-de-sac. Everywhere you go, you wind up in a cul-de-sac. It, it leads you nowhere. You see that? The only way you can get to where you're going is to have something spiritual happening in your life that you begin to see things and know things. That's how you get out of the cul-de-sac, out of these, these places where they take you nowhere. Does that make sense? That's what it says right there. Let me read this one right quick. Yeah, I've got five minutes, man. I'm so good. This is Exodus 3. This is after the Lord spoke to Moses. This is your destiny. This is what I've called you to do. This is what I want you to do. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? That's the first thing he said. Does anybody recognize that thought? When God begins to really talk to you, do you, does anybody recognize, well, who am I to do this? I mean, has anybody else said that? Yeah. Becky has. Yeah. Everybody has. If God has really spoken to you, that's going to be the first thing you say to Him. Well, who am I to do that? How can I do that? Okay, that's, that's our response. And that is the beginning. And let me just say this. It's because we need some more information from the Lord about Himself. And He said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that, is, that, that it is I who have sent you. Don't you love this? This is what I tell people all the time. Like, How am I going to really know this is the will of the Lord? Well, here's the answer. This is the sign. When you have brought the people out, you shall worship at this mountain. Does that make sense? Like, okay, how am I going to know, Lord, you, this is really you? Well, after you've already done it. That's what he told Moses. After you've already done it, you're back here. That's God's best answer for us. In other words, I'm not telling you. You just do this. You trust me. You walk this thing out. Then you'll find out. But you, I'm not telling you up front. And if you follow God, you're going to find Him to be that way. It's terrible. It's terrible. Like, oh Lord, please tell me more information. I gotta have more. I got to know these things. Give me these signs. He's like, forget it. You know, I'm not doing it. You're gonna find out, son, after you've done exactly what I told you and you're there, then you'll know. Oh, that was the Lord. You know, and, and you're gonna be profound at that moment. You're gonna be profoundly like, duh. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I say to, do it to, to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say, you know, he's figuring out things. 
well, this may happen, that may happen, right? Everybody, that's what we do. Well, this may happen, Lord. What am I going to do if this happens? Like, what if I don't have the money? You know? They may say, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. I don't know about you. I'm going to be honest with you. That's the craziest thing ever. I am who I am. You're going to go tell somebody I am. Have you ever really thought about that? Or is, are y'all so spiritual like, oh, yes, I am. That's what that. I've always thought that's the dumbest thing in the world. You're going to tell these people I am who I am. They're going to risk their life. They're going to risk everything to believe what I'm telling them. And I'm going to say the God who is I am who I am. That's just insane. At least for me. That's how I think about it. Thus shall you say to the sons of Israel, I am. Now, I love the I am thing now. It's cool. But I don't think Moses was loving it at that moment because that just probably was thinking, he was probably thinking, dude, can you come up with a little bit of a better deal than that? I mean, can, you, can it get a little clearer, a little muddier than I am? I mean, who the heck is I am? Now, maybe Hebrews understood that. But maybe not Hebrews who have been in Egypt for 400 years, you know, being slaves. They probably want to understand a whole lot. So what I'm just trying to suggest to you, sometimes God says stuff that is not helpful. I mean, it just doesn't seem to help. Well, it's true. Have you, have you ever been with somebody who's in a hard time and you gave them a scripture and it didn't help them and it was the truth? Right? You know, and I know you can say, well, it wasn't a rhema word, it was a scripture word, but you know, anything, anything from the Bible when you're in a mess is, should help you, right? I mean, but sometimes it just doesn't feel like it does. Sometimes God seems irrelevant. He doesn't seem like He's connected on the same plane with us. But if you're going to see your destiny come forth, you have to be able to just accept God like that. And you have to be willing, because it started out, I, who am I, to who the heck are you? You know, and ultimately that's where everybody's going to come to. You're all going to come to that. If you're going to see your destiny, you, you'll get over yourself thing. I, well, who am I to do this, Lord? Well, you know, you know that's a kind of a bad question. You know, you sort of have a bad view of God because you don't have a right view of yourself and all that stuff. But then you're going to finally come down and say, who the heck is the Lord? You know, when you're in a mess in your life and things are not working, where's God? What is He doing? Why is He waiting? Why hasn't He done what I felt like He said He was going to do? Right? That's the God we serve. That's the God we live with. He's invisible. He's unsearchable. We can never figure Him out. That's why He was saying, I'm, I put destiny in the heart of men. I want to make everything beautiful in His time, but you'll never figure me out. You'll never know me. Don't get offended with me when I don't do what you want me to do. Don't question me when I leave you hanging out the dry, so to speak. Don't question my integrity. That's, that's what he's trying to tell us. He's trying to tell us, listen, I know what's best for you. I love you. I am in, I'm in this deal with you. You can't comprehend me. You know, you can't comprehend me. You go back in the last five years of your life and try to figure out some stuff that's happened. It will just mess your mind up. Like, how did God let that happen? What happened? I don't know. I've had people say, why did that happen? I don't know why it happened. I don't know. Is God mad at you? Probably. 
Because I've had people say, God's mad at you, Byron. He probably is. He has a right to be. I've done some stuff to make him mad. I mean, some of you just get to that when people start telling you, yeah, he's mad. <laughs> when our roof fell, I told a couple of yeah, he's mad at me. Obviously he is. I didn't believe he was, but that was my best answer. He's mad. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened. Are you happy now that you can understand it? God's mad at me. I caused it. Be happy. <laughs> you know? And you, So you just have to walk away. Sometimes the best answer, you know, that keeps them happy. It keeps you from having to mess with them anymore. <laughs> you know? But in my heart, I never felt like God was mad at me. You know, I never, never felt like he was mad at me. I never felt like he was disappointed in me. I never felt any of that stuff. Through everything we went through, every person dying, because there was times when people died, the first thought, like, you've let another person die. That was the devil telling me that. You never let another person die. You didn't pray hard enough. You ain't doing right. God's not with you. You know, what kind of shepherd are you? You know, but, it, it, you know, like, I'm not, going, I'm not going there. I'm not God. I'm happy. I'm not happy that people died. If I could have stopped it, they would have. I promise you. So, I was trying. This message was supposed to help you discover your destiny. I think I've just sort of opened up my thinking to you a little on a deeper level about how profanely, profoundly, not, not maybe profanely, how profoundly unspiritual my thinking is. You know. But this is what I do know, okay? I do know this. God has a destiny for everybody in the room. God has a dream for your life. I don't care what you've done. God has not kicked you to the curve. He's not thrown anybody under the bus. I do know that about God. And He's put it in you. And I don't care what you do, He will bug you about it. Probably you'll do it wrong, okay? You will probably do it wrong a few times. But, you know, and that might not be okay with people, but it's okay with God. He wants to help you. Okay, so I just want to, I guess that's my point, is God wants to encourage you to live your dreams, to live your destiny. He wants you to do that. That's how you're going to live a fulfilled life. And no matter how messy it is and how much you mess up and how much money you throw away doing it, right, how much time you throw away doing it and it didn't work, God still wants you to do it. That's all I can say about God. You know, this morning about your destiny. God loves you, you know, and people who've lost loved ones and you don't understand it, I'm with you. I'm in the boat with you. I don't understand it. But I tell you this, you can get up and go on from that. Amen? Amen. So let's stand up and let me pray for you. Becky's got a word. Let her finish this. I'm not, I don't talk myself into a hole here. <laughs> no, this morning during worship, and I, I never know what Byron's going to preach on, but um, I got a word, and I wasn't really sure. I kept waiting, and I heard the Lord say, snout back with stand back. <laughs> and um, and that, that's an old saying about the stand back goody powder things used to take for headaches. And so, I, but I felt like this, I felt like, like the, what the Lord was actually saying was, snout back by standing back, okay? 
And I got, I, I was asking the Lord a scripture for that, and it's Habakkuk 2. And here it is. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and watch to see what he will say unto me. And I shall answer when I'm reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. So I really felt like that was a word this morning for for people in the room that are really struggling, that are just feel like they're down, that the Lord is going to cause you to snap back by standing back and watching what he's going to do because he has promised. His promises are yes and amen. You know, we've been saying this for a year and a half. We've been through tough times, but the Lord will do what he said. And even, I know with people that have lost loved ones even, but I'm here to say to you, even in that, it may not be on this side. It may be on the other side. They say, we're, we're not without hope. But his promises are yes and amen. And I just feel that this morning. So I want you to lift your hand for all of us just to say, Lord, we're going to snout back by standing back and believing that your word is sure, your promises are sure, and though it tarry, it's going to come. And we say yes to those promises, yes to our destinies being fulfilled, Lord. We're just going to stand back and watch you do it, God. We're going to snout back by standing in faith, believing that all of your promises are yes and amen. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Just release that in the room right now. Lord, release that snapping back right now. Just release it. Release it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just let that come upon your body today, Lord. Mm. I had someone to give me a word. It was good. It was John walked up in, in the middle of worship, and he said this. I've had a rough week, a lot of really terrible things coming at me different problems and he said to me in the middle of worship he said have you heard that song that he is the what did i say to you where where are you john john he's just say it to me the name of the title that song and man it just made me break jesus is the undisputed champion of love undisputed heavyweight champion never loses a fight isn't that good he said it, ma'am. I, I just got released. So receive that. The undisputed champion of the world of love, and he never loses a fight. So amen. So we want to pray for you this morning. Um, we just want to get the ministry team up here. Just Habakkuk 2. That's the word of the Lord leaving here today. 
Though it tarry, it's going to happen. So we want to agree with you this morning. If you're sick, telling you, he wants to heal the sick. He wants to heal the sick. So if we want to agree with you for healing in your bodies, I don't care how many times you've come up for prayer. So, and we want to agree with you for your destiny this morning, that God would unlock, give you the key to unlock the key of your destiny this morning. So, amen. We love you guys. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord with all his beautiful people. We love you. And you have a great day. If you want prayer, come up. Otherwise, oh, I got one more announcement. There is a women's uh, fellowship at the lake next Sunday night at 5 o'clock. Right, Paula? Yeah, we're just going to bring cold salads, hang out. You can bring a suit. I want you to get that in your mind. It's going to be fun. So um, if you need details, uh, just let us know. We love you guys. Have a blessed Father's Day. Amen.